Hello, welcome to Now Tell Us. This is where we have our guests come and tell us stories. They come and educate us. They come and highlight an issue uh, that is uh, of concern to us or just inspire us into living a better life. And as always, we have great guests who come and join us. Today is no exception. We have a great guest who is an author, is an, is a speaker and an entrepreneur. And uh, he's going to tell us about falling down and getting up. And that's actually based on one of his books that he's written. But I won't take one more minute. I'm just going to welcome to the show, Michael Harris. Hi, Michael. Hi, Anthony. I want to tell you again, it, it's really super great to be here. And I'm honored to have been invited to your show. Um, so ask me anything. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. So I ask you anything. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 147. Don't I look good? <laughs> you, you sure look it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm 63 today. Okay. Oh, wonderful. That's, that's great. Well, not today, but I'm 63. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's great. You've been there, done that, and uh, you've got the experience to just uh, tell us how it is to be where you are. So we are very honored to have you here. Well, thank you. Anyway, where are you from? I live, I, I grew up in Oregon, and I live in Bend, Oregon, which is Central Oregon. I don't know whether you've heard of that or some of the listeners, but I live at about 3,800 feet next to the mountains and spend a lot of my time in the forest and in the mountains and exploring new buttes and just getting out of nature a lot. Mm, how I love nature. And it's good that you are living just next to a mountain and you can always be there. That, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, I've heard of Oregon and um, I, I guess there is quite such a, of what you've explained right now. A lot of uh, uh, forest and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we're talking about falling down and getting up. Mm. And uh, I know as people who are listening or those who get to listen to us after we are through with this episode uh, may have experienced a fall at some point in life. If they haven't, at some point they are going to experience. And as we said in the beginning, I guess you've got so much experience in this life up to the age that you are. So we will benefit by getting some tidbits from you and ex <laughs> knowing how to do it today. Yeah. What, yeah. One of the things, Anthony, I've realized is that regardless really of what age we are, we've all fallen down and we've all had the opportunity to get back up. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just the, the story that I wrote, the Falling Down Getting Up book, is really just my experience of doing that. And I'm sure you've had your own experience and I'm sure the listeners today and and any other listeners have had their experiences too. Yeah, sure. We've all had our experiences. Now we are here to listen to some of your experiences. <laughs> now tell us uh, from the beginning, maybe when you are growing up, uh, the life that was there and um, yeah, how, how you faced it and uh, yeah. as you, until you came to this point. Yeah. 
the short story is I, I grew up in a uh, family where my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned several businesses and my mom was a housewife. You know, I grew up, um, you know, born in the 50s and in the 60s and 70s um, early on. And I was a hotshot golfer as a kid. And at 12 years old, I won the club championship at Portland Golf Club, the junior mm -hmm. championship. Mm. And then shortly after there, after this huge accomplishment that, that I had as, as a golfer and as a kid, um, I had a water skiing accident. And this was really my first really big experience and fall in my life. And I ended up having... 60% of my liver removed. I had 21 blood transfusions, uh, broken ribs, collapsed lung, and I slid into a coma. It was a, one of those, you know, 20 hour surgeries and I was not expected to live. Mm. And so that was 51, almost, yeah, just about 51 years ago. And I'm still alive somehow. Yeah. I survived that fall Whoa. and I struggled a lot. I mean, I, I started healing physically, uh, but my self-esteem plummeted. Um, I had scars on my body. I had tubes sticking out of me for six, seven months. And um, I didn't know what to make of it. I was a 12 year old kid you know, just discovering, the, you know, the girls and, you know, all that kind of stuff that happens when you when you're a kid mm -hmm. and felt like I wasn't going to be like that. I wasn't going to be active in sports again the way that I was. Um, so I really struggled emotionally. And although, again, I was I was healing physically, which my parents were quite thankful of. I was torn up inside. Mm hmm. You know, it's just like um, I didn't know where, where to go. I didn't know to, to turn right or turn left. And I ended up starting to hang out with the kids that were a little bit more wild mm -hmm. or a lot more wild. <laughs> and I, I felt some comfort in that because yeah. I was no longer really in, in the jock crowd, so to speak, as, as a kid. Um, although I was still trying to be active, I couldn't do some of the same sports initially that I liked doing. Um, but I also found that smoking a little pot or drinking a, a few beers as a kid helped me put that self-esteem aside and make me feel bigger than I was. It, mm. it helped relax me initially and keep me steadier and it would allow me at the time to reach out to the girls to to feel more like a, a man than a broken boy because i felt like a broken boy for a long time mm -hmm. you know and as i dived more into that and as i grew older and getting into high school um i started partying more. I started drinking more. I was smart. I mean, I, I had a high GPA 4.0. 
Um, so I, I, I was always able to do that. And then one day it just, I didn't want to do any of that anymore. So mm -hmm. my grades plummeted and um, my desire to excel at school was gone. Mm. I just wanted, wanted it, it. School seems stupid. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it, you know, that that could be a whole nother show is about our education system. <laughs> yeah, um, I won't get into that right right now. Uh, and I started getting into a, a little bit of trouble uh, with drinking. And as I got into my 20s, I, I started doing photography. I, I was doing some portrait work, some wedding work. I didn't like the weddings at all, but started doing more, more work and ended up at 27 years old. If this was now 1986, I had, um, I'd been diagnosed with vascular disease. Mm. And when, when I ended up at the hospital, OHSU, Oregon Health Sciences University, the vascular professors, when they were diagnosing me, uh, suggested that I might lose my legs. And I told them, well, without saying the exact words, I said, F you, you're, you're not taking my legs. I, I wasn't going to have any of it. Uh, but my right leg was 100% blocked and my left leg was 65% blocked. I was walking on a cane. Oh. And, you know, by, by then, you know, I... I again, all those struggles I had had growing up and as a kid, and now I'm in, in OHSU, they were talking about taking my legs and that I, I might die from the, the vascular disease. And I, I had a surgery on both legs. And then a few months later, they wanted to do another surgery. And I told them once again, that in no uncertain terms, that that wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I left the hospital, what's called AMA, against medical advice, walking away on a cane, not knowing what I was going to do, but that I wasn't going to have another surgery. Mm. Just wasn't going to do that. Yeah. And a lot of this is, is in my, my book, too, the, the Falling Down, get, Getting Up book, this, this one right here. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I ended up at a rehabilitation center 1987 in Santa Monica, California. And it was right on, on, on the beach, kind of close to the Santa Monica Pier. And when I got there, I could walk maybe 10 feet on a cane while I was holding somebody's arm. So I could barely walk. Mm -hmm. And my doctors at OHSU were telling me, you know, when it hurts and all of this is, you know, rest and don't walk. Well, the doctor down there told me something profoundly different. He mm -hmm. said, when it hurts, keep walking. I went, what? He said, when it hurts, keep walking. He mm -hmm. says, the act of walking and moving into the pain will trigger a process in your body to begin to build new collateral blood vessels. So again, we're right here on, on the boardwalk in Santa Monica. And, you know, he said, just go out onto the boardwalk and start walking. Mm -hmm. And again, I was walking 10, 20 feet when I got there. And within two weeks, I was walking two miles. Mm -hmm. 
within two weeks without my cane. I was walking two miles. Yeah. Now, I, I, I got to be honest again with you, Anthony, and I mentioned this at, as a kid um, about my water skiing accident. And, yeah. you know, just at that age where you start to get interested in girls and everything, you know, mm -hmm. here I am walking up and down the, the boardwalk on a sunny day. And there there's lots of, you know, women going up and down on on the boardwalk on the rollerblades in their bikinis. And I did not want to look like that 98 pound weakling, you know, along the beach there. So I stood tall and I stood proud. And, and as I was able to bring my body back, as I was be able to begin to move my body, as I was able to begin to heal, you know, my self-esteem returned. I, I started to feel like I was a, you know, a better person and re rather than, having all that self-doubt that that I had. Mm -hmm. So I, I really that physical movement really changed me internally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of that, you know, all happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, uh, we, we say we've been through things, but then listening to your story up to this point, you've been through a lot a lot i i i have been through a lot and mm -hmm. um i i don't particularly like the term miracle but it's definitely miraculous that i'm still alive at this point you know and, exactly exactly yeah. it's been 51 years since my water skiing accident it's been 35 years since my surgeries and you know in both situations, I was not expected to live. And here I am. And I've been to the doctor in the last 35 years, maybe three times. Mm -hmm. um, because it was really through, through the walking. And the place I went to was a place called Pritikin Longevity Center. And this is in the 80s. And they only serve vegan food, you know, plant-based food. Okay. You know, they didn't really call it plant-based at the time. They called it more vegan. Plant-based is more of a recent terminology, but yeah. Uh, so it, with the walking and the plant-based food, and then I started doing yoga there as well. My first little stretching, mm -hmm. and all three of those things really helped to begin to turn my life around. Mm -hmm. I dived into yoga. I, I loved it. I couldn't do it very well at first. I would fall over and downward dog and all these things. I, I couldn't hold anything, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I ended up getting three different yoga certifications. I opened up a couple of yoga studios, uh, one in 99 and one in 2003, um, January 2004, um, okay. here in Bend, and have taught thousands of students have trained thousands of teachers um, have helped yoga studios all around the world as well on the business side to really attract enroll and retain students to, to build up their their memberships mm -hmm. um, so from all of those experiences that happened I believe today that much of those were there and much of those experiences and, and the reason for writing the book was really to 
show other people that we can get past just about anything in life that mm. we can re recover we can restore our health we can restore our mind we can re uh restore our connection to spirit and and to other people yeah and that's very good of you uh, sharing the story and also the lessons there in that is going to help someone listening and and is going to uh, be a light unto someone who's in darkness at some point. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I was curious, looking uh, at some of the chapters of the book, I saw the uh, statement, or rather question, who is family? And what about that? Who is family? Who is coming? Mm -hmm. It's after my water skiing accident, or, you know, and I, I had the surgery and I, I was in the coma, I actually had a near death experience. Mm -hmm. And I left my body and I felt like I was around spirit. And as I started coming back to my body, I didn't want to come back. Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay where I was. Mm -hmm. Um, and I even, I, I still remember the sensation of, of reaching out and saying, I don't want to go. And they said, you're not through yet. Well, Anthony, I guess I'm still not through yet, but <laughs> I was reaching out and um, I really developed a resentment towards God. I mean, some people that talk about near-death experiences talk about, you know, this idea that um, everything is great now. Yeah. And yes, it. I feel that now, but for years I didn't. Mm -hmm. I was angry and was resentful to God, and I didn't think that, you know, this idea of God or higher power or what, whatever somebody wants wants to call it, was something that could help me. Mm -hmm. But when I made the decision after my surgeries. You know, I had had enough. I'd fallen over and over and over. Ended up in the hospital one more time from too much drinking. And the only person left to come was was God. The only thing I could do was to turn to spirit. It was the last house on the block, so to speak. Yeah. Right. So this idea of who's coming you know, for, for me, what was really about, well, who's coming to help me? Who's coming to save me? And there, there was only one thing left to do that. And mm -hmm. um, that's where I, when, when I realized that, I mean, I had a, I call it a swooshing feeling, Anthony, in, mm -hmm. in my body, in, in my mind, a swooshing feeling. And, and even though there was nothing left, I felt at that point that my life was about to change mm -hmm. and i remembered what spirit had told me when i was out of my body as a kid and they said everything is going to be okay mm -hmm. you know and it's just like wow okay who's coming you know and there they were they were all there to you know really restore me and bring me back to life mm-hmm family that is <laughs> yeah well yeah 
in this life as we are living and we are going through what we are going uh, through, it's always important to have someone by your side who is going to lift you or someone that you can lean on uh, yeah. as, you are, as, as you are moving along. So it's good that uh, you have a family and anybody who's listening has a family. If not by blood, is someone who is always by your side that you can say, oh, that's as that's closer than a brother. So it's good. And uh, let me ask, at what point did you write this book? Well, the, the actual publication of the book was 2012. I had been thinking about it for... 10, 12 years and think, and I'd wrote some notes about it, but mm -hmm. then I made a commitment one, one day that I was going to finish the book in 90 days. And I actually finished it in 79 days. Whoa. Uh -huh. Um, you know, that, that was the rough manuscript. And then, then I had it edited and the interesting thing, Anthony, I, I, I expected to be submitting it over and over and over to multiple publishers to get somebody to publish it at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it was published in 2012. So in 2011, I went to New York City for a media event, uh, thinking that I would get some publicity for it. And I started talking to this individual there. I had no idea who he was. Mm -hmm. And within about 10 minutes, I discovered that he was a publisher and he told me he was going to publish my book. So yeah. I never had to submit a manuscript. I never got, you know, those rejection slips that many authors get. Within That was on a Friday. And by the following Wednesday, we had a signed agreement to publish the book. Whoa. And... I, I happened to talk to him, you know, I've talked to him about three times in the last month because we're, we're talking about some, um, another book. And, you know, it was just like that publisher, uh, David Hancock at Morgan James Publishing has become a close friend and, you know, really one of those people that I heard you say a moment ago too, where blood isn't just our family, it's also yeah. the we surround ourselves with our friends and David is definitely one of those. Mm. And that's yeah. beautiful. But we can also identify that your life is full of miracles. I mean, you talk of uh, being published, not even uh, having submitted an, the manuscript anywhere. You, I mean, that's a miracle. <laughs> that's a miracle. <laughs> yeah, that in itself is, let alone the other stuff. Yes, because we are always hearing someone who's submitted a hundred uh, submissions and all our rejections. Then you yeah. just go through just like that. Just, just like that, yeah. Just like that. Now I know you've been speaking. You've been a speaker here and there, and um, it's not also an easy thing. Can we also say it's a miracle to stand up and speak? Oh, <laughs> because I've had people who say that better be uh, on a, uh, the one being buried rather than other, uh, rather than to give the eulogy in a in in a ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. standing up and speaking. How did you get into that? I mean, I know you've been speaking about your stories and things like that. How did you? How was it to begin with, and how has it been? Well. 
most of my last 30 years or so, in some capacity or the other, I've been a, a coach, a teacher, a trainer, teaching something, whether it was real estate finance, whether it was uh, business, whether it was yoga. And yoga was really one of those things because I, I started teaching in front of rooms and in front of people, mm -hmm. and it was came fairly natural to to do that. And yeah. I mean, the biggest class I've taught was about 650 people in one class. Um, and I've taught all, all, all over the world. But, and I found in training other teachers, I was also really good at helping them find their voice. Mm -hmm. And at one point, I realized, you know, Anthony, I suspect this happened with you and probably all of our listeners as well. In grade school, maybe even like pre-grade pre school, kindergarten, nursery school, we stand up in, in front of the room and we do a show and tell. The teacher says, tell me about your pen, Michael. Mm. And we stand up in front of the room and tell the whole room about this pen that we found over the weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As little kids. Yeah. So without the teacher telling us that they're doing a speaker training event, Mm -hmm. it's a show and tell event we begin to learn how to do that yeah so as i've you know moved into business you know and, and all these different activities in my life i reflect back on that thinking okay we already learned what we needed to learn when we were younger it's just exercising those same muscles to get better mm -hmm. right? so yeah. we, we already really know how to do everything it's just you know, applying it and using it and taking the steps to make it happen. And the same with, with speaking, mm -hmm. you know, and so to, you know, today, and it's, I, I help a lot of people with podcasting and speaking and creating stories. And I help other people become authors and best-selling authors. And um, the whole process of storytelling is something that, especially now, right now in my life, and I can see, you know, as I continue to get older, I want to spread as many people's stories and messages as possible. And like what you're doing, I mean, you have these incredible guests on, and I was listening to, excuse me, Stacey uh, McAlpine um, last night, one of your other guests, and mm -hmm. I loved what she was saying and talking about thriving and not just surviving and, you know, getting past these things and this idea of have to or got to or need to versus just allowing these things to open up within us and happen. Yeah. And so like you, Anthony, you're, you're spreading people's stories and messages of hope to help other people have a better life. Mm. And if nothing else other than that comes out of our show today, then my day is over. I mean, I'm, I'm happy, you know. I'm walking yeah. along the, the river today after our show, so I'm going to get outside and enjoy. <laughs> wow, that would be good. And yes, just as you say, it's not a matter of how many people that are going to listen, but if we just get it to one person out there who is going to benefit from anything that we are going to share in this show, then our job for today is done. Yes. We've, we've been of value to the world and yeah. to all the listeners. So 
at this point, I would like to remind those people who may be watching us anywhere that uh, you can always find uh, past episodes and future episodes at www.nowtellers.com and uh, share them. Share them with your friends. Let them get the lessons shared there. Let, let them listen to the stories that we share, like these beautiful ones. And as we are speaking with Michael, I was curious because you say you've been all around the world teaching and training. Uh, mention some of the countries that you've been there. Well, it, it's interesting. One of the more significant ones for me was actually going to India. Mm -hmm. And being a teacher that was trained in, in the United States, I was trained by several individuals, in, including somebody from India, a yoga teacher from India. And then I go to India and I'm asked to teach in India and I'm outside of, of Kolkata one day and there's this big press event going on with about 60 of the Indian press wanting to know my story. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. how did this happen? This kid from Oregon showing up in India and the press wanting to know my story about what happened to me and yoga and how yoga happened. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, wow, this is just phenomenal. You know, and we, we've had trainings in Mexico and Canada Europe, really all over, all over the world. But the Indian trip was perhaps my most significant journey out of the United States that I've had mm -hmm. for the reason I mentioned as, as well as more. Again, we would be here all day if we talked about just <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know someone who could get to listen to this could be interested in hearing all day. Now, my question is, how can they reach you? And thank God that today we don't have to travel all those places because we can just connect online. And I, I guess you even do some online trainings. You have online courses, maybe, I guess. And yes. some are going to find out. So how yeah. can they reach you? Well, without trying to confuse anybody, let, let me give two places to go. One is my main site, michaelbharris.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-B-Harris.com. Um, and if there, somebody's interested in learning to become a speaker or get their story out, um, there's a little opt-in there, and they can get a whole bunch of free information from um, our membership site, you know, little clips about how to be a better speaker, how to get over um, any stage fright that that may come up, how to create some stories. So there's a lot of free resources available there. And I'm going to add another one. And as my um, URL goes across, it's almost exactly the same, but it's michaelbharris.com slash book. B-O-O-K. And anybody can opt in there and get the free ebook download of, of this book and, and read the, the rest of the story that we didn't get to talk about today. But it's it's absolutely free and they can just download the, the book instantly. So it's just again michaelbharris.com. Yeah, you got it. Slash book. Yeah. So rush there, go to michaelbharris.com. And also 
forward slash book and uh, yep. connect with Michael, get the book and uh, get to know the more stories that we may have not had today. <laughs> Many <laughs> more stories that we may not have had today. Yeah. So uh, we already see that you are down, but some point you were, I mean, you are up, but at some point you are down and there's someone who's down and who could be wanting to get up. As we are just about to get uh, off this episode, uh, we would like you to leave with a few leave us with a few words that uh, the listener should always remember. What are those? Well, the, there's a, a couple come to mind, and one we've already kind of touched on is that we already have everything we need, and it's just really learning how to use it. And no matter where we are, or how down, or depressed, or suicidal or anything that anybody might be there is hope and there is a, a way out you know and the thing about when we're down and in the gutter as such is really the only way out is up mm. and if we're willing to reach our hand out there are people and places and all sorts of events experiences that will unfold that can help and that can help us have a better life you know in today's world there's so much going on and then there's there's so much energy swirling around in the world and with everything that's happening and i just believe that you know it's time to be kinder and to reach out and it doesn't matter whether we're right or not but i'd rather be kind than right mm -hmm. and if we can be kind to each other more then we're going to have a better world to live in. Mm, that's beautiful. You've shared quite a lot. We, you've been so generous to us, and we thank you for that. Well, thank you, Anthony. And keep doing the great work that you're doing, too. Yes, it's a great honor that we've had you here. And uh, this is just about it for today. Uh, from now, tell us, this has been your host, Anthony Moirore. And together with my guest, Michael Harris, we are saying bye for now. <laughs> bye. Bye.